Welcome to the Hope Chapel Sermon Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this teaching from God's Word. We currently are meeting again for in-person services and would love to have you join us if you feel comfortable. Our in-person service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. You can also tune into our live stream on Sundays at 9 and 11 by going to hopechapel.org forward slash live. This week and next week, I want to do a kind of an overview of Psalms rather than necessary pick on and, and walk you verse by verse through any one particular Psalm. I thought it'd be, it'd be good if we had a just kind of a step back and got a, 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 a much more better perspective on the book of Psalms itself. If you look at the notes, I've, I've entitled the, the message God's Prayer Book. And that's exactly what the book of Psalms are. It's God's prayers. The Holy Spirit has written these prayers and given them to us so we would know how to pray, and especially at times when we don't know how to pray. Have you ever been in a place like that? When, you, when you've got emotions, you've got thoughts, and you, you just don't know how to frame them in words and communicate them? When we don't know what to pray or how to pray? The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8 that at those moments, we can groan. We can groan. And the Holy Spirit understands those groans. But beyond that, I want to talk to you about these, the book of Psalms and hopefully inspire you to begin to love the book of Psalms, to read it, to meditate on these Psalms, and to just allow them to speak into your heart and your life and influence how you respond and how, in fact, you pray. Most all of us, at some point or other, have, uh, have been at a place in our life when we, we just don't know what to pray. We just don't know how to pray. And it's been a struggle. And very often what happens is your prayer life becomes fallow and you, you quit praying for a season. And thankful, thanks to the grace of God, he comes back and stirs you up and someone says something, you hear a sermon or something happens and you go, you know, I need to get back to praying. Well, hopefully as we say through the Psalms this, these next few weeks, you'll be uh, just looking at them in a whole new perspective. So I, pos- I posited some questions in your notes for you. Question one, how, how do you pray when you're really hurting or suffering? Or when maybe somebody you love is really hurting and suffering? How, how do you, exactly do you pray? How do you pray when people you don't like or maybe even dislike intensely <laughs> when they get ahead and you know, you know that they don't deserve it? How do you pray when your circumstances don't make sense or when your world doesn't make sense? How do you pray? How do you pray when you have doubts? How do you pray when your confidence in God is undermined? How do you pray maybe when you're even angry with God? I know that sounds crazy, but I've talked to people over the years who said, you know, I'm really angry with God. I just take a step back. It's okay. He's big enough to handle it. You know that, right? 
So how do we pray these occasions? And again, may I suggest that God has authored 150 prayers. 150 prayers for us to pray on all occasions. This is why when you begin to read through them and think through them and you find, you find Psalms just appropriate for where you are, might the Holy Spirit be leading you? Yes. Prayers for all occasions, prayers for every circumstance. The book of Psalms. Psalms give us a complete picture of prayer. They cover every base, if you will. They take on the whole of life. They give us words for each and every occasion in our life. From the height of joy to the depths of despair. The Psalms let us feel what we feel. No pretense. They meet us where we are and they give us God's words to say back to him. When you feel outraged, outraged at some evil or at some evildoers and don't know how to express your thoughts, your feelings, your intentions, remember the Psalms. And I don't just mean the nice ones. You know, the 23rd Psalm, the 91st Psalm, Psalm 100. No, there's a whole nother group of psalms. They're called the laments when you're experiencing outrage. As we read them, we find, in fact, the right words to express ourselves, especially when we're outraged at evil and or evildoers. I don't know about you. I'm just going to self-disclose a little bit. I don't know about you, but last year watching the reports on TV of the riots, the wanton destruction, the violence, the looting, the burning, and no one was doing anything. I was, I was left outraged, absolutely outraged. I have been since 1973 outraged by another issue in our culture. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's the issue of abortion. If you have been victimized by that, if you are participating in that, please do not hear me condemning you. But this is out and out murder. Innocent children slaughtered. We're no different from the pagan, ancient pagan cultures that offered their children to Molech. Except we go in and get them. We don't wait till they're born outraged when you think about that and you're not outraged something's wrong with you insensitive to what's going on i'm utterly outraged at the godless things that are being taught to our kids today in schools unbelievable stuff unbelievable stuff and all of our leaders are blessing it saying yes yay and amen <laughs> outrage whole generation being sold into godless slavery. I don't know about you. At times like that, how do I pray? How do I pray? I search the Psalms. 
I found a psalm, Psalm 94, that makes sense to me. Look with me simply at the first three verses of Psalm 94. O Lord, the God who avenges, O God who avenges, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Pay back to the proud what they deserve. How long will the wicked, O Lord, how long will the wicked be jubilant? During that year of turmoil, I would not have been upset with the idea that God is a God of vengeance. I confess that to you. That's just where I was at. Look at verse 3 with me again. How long will the wicked, O Lord, how long will the wicked be jubilant? It's a question. The psalmist is questioning God. Come on, God, how long? You'd be hard-pressed to qualify that as a prayer of faith. It's a question. It's a real question. Who am I to question God? Who are we to question God? We know that. We've been taught that. We, we believe that. We're, I'm not going to question God. But here you see the psalmist questioning God. How long? There it is in the scriptures. Words for us to pray in those times when we don't know what to pray, but we're experiencing outrage at evil. Now, there are those people of perfect faith who never question, who never wonder, never doubt. But I submit to you, there are those of us, the rest of us, sometimes we do wonder, God, when, when are you going to do something about this? When are you going to do something about it? We have three possible responses, just from our own perspective. One, we can pretend that evil doesn't bother us. Two, we can get angry with God and not talk to him anymore. Well, if you're not going to do anything about this, I'm not talking to you anymore. Or thirdly, we can tell God how we really feel. Have you ever told God how you really feel? I mean, really told him? For us as contemporary Christians, that could seem like it borders on blasphemy, doesn't it? God, I want you to know how I really feel about this. That's why the Psalms are so perfect for us imperfect beings. It wasn't too long ago that, I mean, many of you know my, my wife has experienced a number of health issues and We've been in this process for 15 years. That's quite a challenge. I won't go into the details. But most recently, she's experienced um, paralyzed vocal cords, which causes her very difficulty in breathing and talking at the same time. And I, I was just up to here. And I, I said... Really? Really? This too? On top of everything else? 
Come on, God. I didn't get an answer. <laughs> but I felt better after I expressed myself. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. And he's big enough to handle it. You see, the Psalms give us permission to tell God how we really feel. The very fact that they're there and those words are there implies we have permission to tell God, the psalmist did, how we really feel. Aren't you glad that God is gracious and kind and merciful? He wants us to tell him how we really feel, what we really think. He wants us to be truthful with him. He doesn't want us to be kind of bland, ho-hum Christians. He wants some fire in our lives. Thank you. <laughs> Psalm 94 concludes, if you read through it, we're not going to read through it, but you can do that on your own. It concludes that God will indeed judge the wicked. And while that is comforting, it's not always going to be in our time frame, but it is important to note that in this psalm, the resolution only occurs for us by walking through the questions, the doubt, and the pain. Without those things, there is no resolution. We don't come to terms. We'll never know peace Now, we could say very easily, very simply, that the point of Psalm 94 is that God will judge the wicked. I mean, that's what he says. But if that's the point, why don't we just have this in, in one sentence, in, in one, one statement? Why, why go through 23 verses to get to that place? We, we have to go through this, and the Holy Spirit is wise enough to give us these insights and these statements that we rehearse, we're going through a process of be, because we're not going to be able to come to terms with God's final judgment unless we do. You can't just state it in one proverb. God will indeed judge the wicked. <laughs> no, there's much more to it. Much more to this process. I doubt that the truth of this song can be put into that nice propositional statement. I think that if we didn't have the shape and the form and the words of this psalm, integrity would be lost. Integrity would be lost. Why? Because this psalm has profound honesty. And we never want to lose honesty with God. It forces you to walk through this honesty with him. It's very simple just to have one statement. Good theology is not just what you say, but it's also how you say it. How you say it. And this psalm teaches us how to say it. Not only what to say, but how to say it. The psalm does not, by the way, force us to straighten up Force us to sit down, get it together, pretend not to be angry or not to feel. 
let alone speak about the negative emotions that, of course, good Christians shouldn't feel. Psalm doesn't do that to us. Rather, he gives us permission to pray as we are, as we see, as we feel. Who of us doesn't doesn't want in a relationship with someone for that person to be honest with us? Isn't that true? We say, just tell me the truth. Just tell me the truth. I can handle it. I just want to know where you are, where I am, where we are. If I'm not able to tell the truth and I'm not able to express myself what's going on inside. I defraud the other person. I eventually defraud the relationship. This is where integrity is so important to a relationship. Am I making sense? Psalm 94 doesn't fix the problem necessarily. Bad people don't immediately disappear after we pray, (laughs) after we rehearse Psalm 94. God, they're still here. (laughs) No, but it does help us to be who we are with God and puts our problems and our outrage into his hands to solve. You ever unburdened yourself? I read somewhere where it says, cast your cares on him because he what? Cares for you. You unburden yourself with him. You say, this is your deal. This is your deal. I'm I'm outraged, but I'm going to give my outrage to you. While we may not be able to understand, praying honestly puts us in that direct contact with the one who does understand, the one who is able to transform both the situation and the problem. Just always stay connected. Always stay connected. Psalm 73, by the way, turn there. Psalm 73 is another psalm that helps us to deal with life. It's called a wisdom psalm. It's also a lament. Verse 1 of Psalm 73 is a nice verse. I think you'll like this. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Don't you like that? Can you say amen to that? Yeah, all of us can say amen to that. But look what follows in the next two verses. Then we realize that there's more involved in this greeting. Verses 2 and 3. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now, it's not that we want to be one of the arrogant or one of the wicked. It's just that when we read about them in People Magazine, have you ever done that? Been in a waiting room and pick up People Magazine? You thumb through it. You see all these glamorous people. They get all the big bucks. They get the nice fast cars. They get the fabulous houses. And you wonder, <laughs> I can see you can relate. You go, how, how, do they, how do they score? How do they get this stuff? In Psalm 73, from verses 2 through 15, I'm not going to read it, but you can, again, look at it later. The psalmist vents his frustrations. He gets honest with God, but then something happens to him. Verses 17 through 19, 
Look with, these, look with me at verses 17 through 19. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on a slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. It's not until we enter the sanctuary. It's not that we, it's not until we begin to worship him and we begin to shift our focus. Are you with me? I mean, you can be going through all sorts of things, but when you, this is why it's so critical, come to church. Just because you're not happy, you're going through a bad hair day or something, don't skip church. Come to church because it's in the sanctuary as you join with other believers in praising him and worshiping him. Something happens to you. It's a good something, isn't it? It's a good something. We begin to see the world the way we should see it. And we begin to realize there is a God who is on the throne and he can do great things. Verses 21 through 23, a transformation takes place. He says this, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. Mm. Does that sound like a transformation? Yeah. When I was coming apart at the seams, I entered the sanctuary. I began to worship. I began to acknowledge you and something happened in me. I got my perspective back. The immediate situation doesn't instantly change, but the perspective changes. It's all perspective, isn't it? We realize that we can be idiotic before God. Have you ever done that? Have you gone to God and said, God, I'm so, so stupid. But even at those times, God doesn't abandon us. He's He's still with us. He said, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you, even in your most idiotic moments. Psalmist doesn't get there by denying what he sees, but rather by taking what he sees to God. That's our job. Take it to him. Complain, yell, scream, cry, kvetch. You take it to him. We're given permission to pray this way, to pray this psalm, because it is a biblical prayer. Wow. Does that free you up? It should free us all up. God, I can come to you. I can tell you where I'm really coming from. I can tell you my limited perspective. You already understand, but I still need to tell it to you. And you welcome me to do so. When we trust God with our most idiotic notions, we make him Lord not only of our good parts, but also of our bad ones. In this way, he can have every part of us. And in that time with God, we can realize with the psalmist, look at verses 25 and 26 with me. Whom have I in heaven but you? And being with you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, 
that God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Don't you love that last statement, that last phrase? You are my portion forever. But you got to go through this process to get there. In the middle of your angst and your frustration and your outrage, you got to go to him and pour it out. He gives us the very words to do it with. Isn't he good? Now, if you read both Psalms and you get to the end, both of them have what we could say happy endings, if you will. But there are Psalms that don't end that way. They don't end nicely and neatly with a happy ending that don't fit into some kind of comfortable, sanitized worldview. Two Psalms in particular. When you read them, you'll understand. Psalm 44 and Psalm 88. Those two Psalms are for times of deep, deep emptiness. You say there are Psalms for that? Yes. You read them, you'll understand. They don't end on a happy note, but they walk with you through where you are. If these were not in the scriptures, we might wonder about the faith of the psalmist. Is he only going to write particular psalms? These psalms might not be warm and fuzzy prayers, but they do keep that conversation with God ongoing. And we need to be there with him. A God who only likes happy prayers is not God at all. Our God allows us to address him, even challenge him when we pray. If we can learn from him how to deal with pain and emptiness in our prayer life, will it then be hard to talk to him about our joy? No. But the laments are not the only psalms that provide words for our heart. There's a whole other group of psalms. Thanksgiving psalms. Thanksgiving psalms teach us to express our thankfulness to God for who he is and for what he has done and what he continues to do. A great example of that is Psalm 30. And Psalm 30 begins with a cry of praise. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths. Oh. Then as you read on in verse 2, it refers to the psalmist's previous prayer. He says, oh, Lord, my God, I call to you for help. And from there, we learn of the Lord's deliverance. And you healed me. Just boom, boom, boom. Psalm of Thanksgiving. Those psalms help us to remember that it's God, God who hears and God who answers our prayers. They express this joyful and evangelistic nature of thanksgiving. Look at verse 4. Sing to the Lord, you saints of his. Not only do we sing his praises, but we learn to tell of his deliverance to others. You can't help it. You can't help it. Then there are psalms of praise. Psalms of praise are second only to the psalms of lament in the book of Psalms. If we want to learn how to praise God for who he is, for what he does, 
You don't have to go any further than the book of Psalms. Psalm 8, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Wow. Psalm 103, verse 1. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise him. Once again, the Psalms understand how we feel. They put into words our awe and our wonder of God. And they teach us as individuals and as a believing community, they teach us to unite our hearts and minds and lips in praise of God. Psalms give us words for so many different cries of our hearts. They understand the depth of our sorrow of sinning and sinning against God. There are penitential psalms. I can't remember if I put them in your notes or not. Did I list those seven ones? There's seven penitential psalms. If you're caught in sin, you might want to go and read these seven psalms and make them your prayers. Prayers of repentance and confession to God. Isn't that marvelous? God has given us psalms even when we rebel against him for those times. Amazing. They teach us how to deal with our sin. Therefore, our times of confession. How amazing that God would provide words for us for the very times we rebel against him. Other wonderful psalms point us to trust in him especially in times of trouble. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The language of these psalms, while containing some direct address to God is primarily reflective self-talk. It reminds us of God's greatness and his goodness. And these words provide comfort and truth in the midst of those dark times that we experience. Lord, you are my shepherd. You are my shepherd. I lack nothing. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside quiet waters. You restore my soul. You guide me in paths of righteousness for your namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me even in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And of course, here's the best part. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow. Who could not draw comfort from that? Who could not draw comfort from that? Marvelous psalm. These psalms are reminders of the one who is able to deliver us. Now, many of us have learned and maybe have been taught to pray lists or formulas, you know, the ACTS formula, A-C-T-S, where we pray lists. I've, I have a never-ending prayer list. I have names on my desk in my office. I have names on my desk at home. 
I'm forever praying lists. They're not wrong. These things are not wrong. But I submit to you to have a full range of expression with God, we must be able to verbalize all of our thoughts, all of our feelings, all of our intentions, all of our actions in prayer. You can't do that except that you pray the prayers that God gives you. And Psalms enable us to do that. They also teach us to talk about the spaces. What do I mean by that? The emptiness in our lives. And we all go through seasons where we're feeling empty. They talk about every part of our lives, from the depths of doubt and despair to the heights of joy and wonder. God, in his infinite kindness, in his infinite grace, allows us to come to him as we are and to say what we really think, what we really feel, what we really want, not only as individuals, but as his family. I want to close with this. Psalm 118, verse 29. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. Amen? Amen. Well, I wanted to whet your appetites for the book of Psalms. Hopefully we started that process. Part two next week, we're going to come back at this, give you an overview of the Psalms and how valuable they are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit, Lord, who communicates these truths to us. Thank you for this book called Psalms. Thank you for this collection of 150 prayers, prayers for every occasion. Lord, I just pray that you would turn our hearts to this book, cause each one of us to read them and to think about them, indeed to pray them. And Lord, that they would become part of us. Thank you again for your great salvation as we come to your table again this morning, Lord, remembering Jesus, we are so grateful for your incredible grace to us. Amen. Amen. On behalf of the Hope Chapel family, I'd like to thank you for tuning in to the sermon podcast. If you would like to know more about our church, you can visit www.hopechapel.org.